everyone. Welcome to New Point Community Church. Thanks for joining our podcast today. We pray that this series and this message inspires you to grow your faith and builds your relationship with Jesus. Enjoy today's message. Well, good morning, New Point. Uh, so good to be with you this morning. I want to welcome all six of our campuses joining us on today. My name is Dave Van Dong. I'm uh, the campus pastor at our Dover campus. And before I jump into our message today, I want to let you know about a really cool opportunity we have coming up next year in 2023. Next year, next summer in June, uh, we're going to be offering up a trip to the Holy Lands. And if you have any interest at all about getting over to the Holy Lands, a lot of people refer to Israel as the fifth gospel. Uh, Being able to see it with your own eyes uh, brings just God's word to life in a whole new way. If you have any interest whatsoever, you can go to our events page, newpoint.org slash events, and uh, you can sign up there for more information. You're not signing up to go on the trip, but if you'd just like to hear a little bit more about that, we'll be hosting some meetings coming up. uh, Given more information, you can sign up there, uh, newpoint.org slash events or on our mobile app. All right, question for you. Are the words you use, I mean, even think about the words that you use this week. Are the words you use, are they becoming better? Or are they becoming more bitter? This is your first week with us, maybe in a few weeks. Maybe it's your first time with us in, uh, in uh, visiting our church. We're honored to have you. But we've been in a series called Life and death. This whole series is based on a proverb that says the power of life and death is in the tongue. Our words have incredible power. Uh, my mom and dad are here visiting, uh, visiting us, and we were driving around uh, earlier this week, it, just taking in the beauty of Northeast Ohio in the fall. It's incredible here. The leaves are changing. And uh, as we're just observing, my dad made a comment. He says, you know what? God doesn't need a paintbrush, does he? His beauty is everywhere to be seen. And he doesn't because his words were all it took. In the beginning, God created with his words. He spoke. His words have power. And as Dwight has said the last couple of weeks, he's reminded us of this. Because we are made in the image of God, our words have power too. I mean, do you believe, do you believe that your words can bring beauty? can create beauty. Maybe a better question is, do you want your words to create beauty? Do you want your words to be more life-giving rather than destructive and, and, and bringing about death? Last week, Dwight talked about this idea of judging. Today, we're gonna talk about how we can often give death by being critical with the words we speak. And sometimes, sometimes we do it intentionally. Sometimes though, it's very uh, unintentionally. Sometimes the power of our words, we don't even realize how powerful they are because oftentimes they have consequences that we don't intend. Several years ago when my oldest daughter was, I think she was in seventh grade at the time, uh, she was uh, doing a a presentation in her uh, social studies class. Uh, Because our roots go back to the state of Kansas, she decided to do her presentation on the state of Kansas. As she was preparing for that, I dropped, you know, a couple pieces of information about her. For instance, I let her know that the state capital of Kansas is Topeka. Many of you know that. But actually our ancestor, one of my ancestors, uh, was the original 
original founder of Topeka. He was a railroad guy. And like many cities in that part of the United States, they were founded because of the railroad as it expanded westward. But I also happened to drop this little bit of uh, knowledge on her. Uh, and this was the unattended consequences part. I said, hey, Liv, do you know how the city Topeka got its name? She said, no, dad, how? How did Topeka get its name? I said, well, one day before Topeka even existed, there was a Native American. He was walking along the Kansas River where Topeka would eventually be. And he noticed his feet were getting cold. It was probably about this time of year. His feet were getting cold. He looked down at his moccasin and he noticed like a huge hole right over his big toe. And, and, and he looked down at his toe. He said, Topeka. Oh. <laughs> you all are smart. The next day, when my daughter's doing a presentation, you know, she's talking about her ancestor, one of the founders of Topeka. She also decides to share how Topeka got its name. <laughs> After her presentation, her teacher said, Liv, that was really interesting, but um, I'm pretty confident that's not how Topeka was named. And my daughter was dumbfounded. She's like, what do you mean? That is how Topeka got, instead of backing off, like she dug in even more. That's how it got named, because that's what my dad said. <laughs> sometimes our words have completely unintentional consequences, and sometimes they're fairly innocent. Sometimes they're not. A lot of times our words hurt, and many times we want our words to hurt. And that's really where criticism comes in. In fact, I think you look around our world today um, and you don't have to go very far, whether it's in your own home, where you work, at your school, if you're a student, uh, looking at our news today, I, anywhere you look, we, we live in a very critical world. In fact, here, here's, really the, here's really the big idea for today. It's not hard to see critics. Critics are absolutely everywhere. Where it's more difficult to see a critic the most difficult place to see someone who's critical is in the mirror. Most of us probably are not chronic critics. You know, the type of people who every word that comes out of, out of their mouth is in some form or fashion critical. Like we probably all know some people like that. They're not a lot of fun to be around. And most of us aren't that way. But all of us, even though we may not be chronic critics, most of us are pretty good at being conditionally critical. And uh, what I want to accomplish today, here's, here's my goal today, is when we are tempted to be critical, and it doesn't matter who, it doesn't matter about what, when we're tempted to be critical, in those moments where we wanna speak death, how can we instead speak life? So I wanna look at three things. One, I just wanna take a real quick glance, like why are we critical in the first place? Secondly, I wanna talk about how do we diagnose when we're critical and with whom we're critical? And third, I wanna talk about cures for being critical. How do we get better? How can we speak more life rather than more death? And, and really to get us started off, um, God's word has a lot to say about the words that we use, has a lot to say about the words we use. And so I wanna look at three scriptures that will really just lay the foundation uh, for our time together this morning. Here's the first one. It comes from Ephesians chapter four, verse 29. It says, do not let any unwholesome talk, any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only, <laughs> only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, 
that it may benefit those who listen. Are there any verses you kind of like to skip over when you read them in the Bible? Like there are some things you're like, like really, are we supposed to take that verse literally? It feels, it feels impossible, doesn't it? Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. Here's the second verse, Ephesians chapter five, verse one, just a few verses later. It says, therefore be imitators of God. As beloved children, verse four goes on to say, let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place. Instead, let there be thanksgiving. I love this verse because it reminds us the purpose of our faith. I think for many of us that are here today who uh, desire to honor God with our lives, we desire to seek God first. We wanna love God first. Uh, our ultimate goal of our faith is to imitate him. It's not, just to, it's not just to say a prayer so that one day we can go to heaven, right? Our ultimate goal of faith is to becoming more and more like Jesus. That's the direction we're going. And in order for us to imitate God, one part of that equation means we also imitate him with how we use our words. In, he, uh, in, in Luke 6, uh, verse 45, Jesus says this about our words. And it speaks a little bit to why we can be critical. Jesus says this, he says, a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Why do we say things that bring death? Why are we critical at times? Well, Jesus tells us, he's pretty direct. He says, because that's, that's what's in here. That's what's in your heart. Whatever comes out of our mouth has its foundation, has its beginning in our heart. So, so how, how is our hearts formed? Like what goes on in our heart? Well, there's a lot of ways that our hearts are formed. Let me just pick out two and why we might wanna be critical. First, our, our heart is shaped first and a lot of times by the hurts, right? A lot of times the reason we're critical of others, we're critical of life, we're critical of things is because we ourselves have been hurt. We ourselves have been criticized. Another way our heart has been formed is, is because of our desires. All of us have desires. There are things that all of us want to have happen in life. A part of those desires are expectations. Um, we expect others to do certain things for us. We expect others to have some type of a standard that they live up to. And when others don't live up to the, uh, to the standard of our expectations, whatever they may be, guess what we're tempted to do? We're tempted to criticize them. When they fail to meet up to the standards that they may or may not know about, but the standards I expect of them, if they fail, I'm, I'm probably going to become critical of them. That's how the heart starts to be formed. I, th I think it's also important to note this. And uh, this, may be, they, this may be one of the more important things I say today too. Um, when you become critical, when you are critical of something or someone else, your words may say more about you than they do to the person who you're talking to. When you're critical of someone else, those words that you're speaking may speak more to you in the condition of your heart than they might about 
the other person that you're speaking to. That's a little bit of why we can be critical. How about recognizing when we're critical? How do we diagnose the the critic that is in the mirror? Uh, Again, we may not be chronically critical, but all of us, I would imagine, all of us would raise our hand and say, yeah, I can be critical at times. The first first thing that I think is important to recognize is, is who are you critical of? Even if you're not critical very often, when you are, who is the recipient of your criticism? For most of us, if we're being honest, one of the most easiest targets that we have to be critical of is our family. And why is our family so easy? Well, for one, the people that we love the most, guess what? We have the highest expectation of. And those that we have the highest expectation of to meet our needs, when they fail, the people who are supposed to love us the most, we hold them to the highest standards. So, they become the easiest to become critical of. Uh, but, but it might not just be a family member, whether that's parents, a spouse, kids. For those of you students, maybe it's your parents that you can often be so easily critical of. Uh, it could be, it could be a, uh, a boss that you have. Uh, if you are the boss, maybe it's an employee, maybe it's a coworker. If, if you're a student, maybe it's a teacher, a coach, uh, a fellow student or a fellow athlete or band member or whoever. Uh, there's lots of targets that we have. Maybe for some of you though, the easiest target you have is a political figure. Nobody's ever been, <laughs> nobody's ever been critical of any of our political leaders though, have we? Uh, there's lots of, lots of easy targets for us to be critical. And, and, in order for us to speak life, more life, instead of death, it's important, first of all, to recognize who is it that we are even critical of? Because we may not even recognize it. In fact, this week, here's one thing I'd encourage you to do, but you gotta have a lot of guts. And I, I, don't, I don't know if I even have enough guts to do this, but, but here's what I suggest, and I'm, I'm gonna try to do this myself, is this week, I'd encourage you, find three people in your life. It doesn't matter who it is, family member, friend, coworker, neighbor. Um, I'd, ask, I'd ask three people this question. When have you seen me being critical? Or how am I critical towards you? Because oftentimes, we can be critical in ways we don't often perceive or know. That's the first thing. Uh, second way of diagnosing the critic, critic, critic in the mirror, these two next ways are actually more subtle forms of what I'd call criticism. Uh, the first subtle form of criticism that I think we should be wary of is sarcasm. I know some of you are really good at at sarcasm. And sarcasm is just this. Sarcasm is just this idea of, of trying to be humorous or create irony when we're mocking somebody else or even attacking somebody else. But we try to disguise that attack with either humor or some type of ironic saying. It's things like saying like this, man, that guy, that guy's, he's too, too fresh short of a happy meal. Or uh, maybe uh, if you have somebody in your life who's kind of a know-it-all. Um, I mean, there's, there's a few of those out there. You may make a comment like this. You may say, hey, hey, bro, like, um, has Google called you lately? Uh, because I, I think they're looking for some advice. 
Or maybe if you have someone who's like directionally challenged in your life when you're talking to her, I mean, I shouldn't say her, that was, uh, it could be a guy, not that girls are more directionally challenged than guys. See sarcasm right there. Uh, but when talking to her, you know, don't use big words like north, south, east, or west. Uh, <laughs> that's the thing about sarcasm. Like it can be really, really funny. In fact, in our culture, sarcasm is actually, I think, idolized. It's revered a little bit because sarcasm requires a certain level of, of uh, cleverness, of wit, of even charm. Here's the danger about sarcasm though. If sarcasm can do even more damage than direct criticism because this, <laughs> because um, when you're sarcastic, if you're a sarcastic person, you have probably deceived yourself because you're masking your, your little witty, critical comments with humor and a smile. Um, it takes the edge off. So you don't actually feel like you're saying something as harsh as you are. Sarcasm can be just as devastating for the person on the other end as saying something directly critical itself. That's one form of subtle criticism. Here's a second. The second form of subtle criticism is self-deprecation. There are some here today who are extremely critical people. And do you know the person you're most critical of? It's yourself. It's yourself. Self-deprecation is this whole thing where, where you make fun of yourself or you make less of yourself. Often, often the reason you do it is so that other people will laugh at you. The problem with, uh, with self-deprecation though is that the more you do it, all that is, is is really just negative self-talk. And if you're not careful, the way you make less of yourself, the way you make fun of yourself, um, can become negative self-talk. You can start to believe it. I actually saw this with a good friend of mine. Um, a good friend of mine, from the time he was a little uh, a kid, he learned that the best way to get approval from other people was by making other people laugh. And often the way that he made other people laugh was he would just make fun of himself. He would do really stupid things um, that would just... It, it would just make him look bad. But he got laughs, whether they were laughing with him or at him, he really didn't care. And uh, that, all of that self-deprecation over time starts to take root in your heart. In fact, to this day, and this is a good friend of mine. He's a, he's a pastor in a church. He's almost 50 years old. To this day, he still has a hard time living in his strengths. He's an incredibly talented guy. He has so much to offer other people, yet he still doubts himself. I believe because of all this negative self-deprecation he's done from the time he was a little kid, he, he lived in his weaknesses so much that he hasn't been able to live in his strengths. Another form of criticism is self-deprecation. But none of us wanna, none of us wanna be critical. Like if I asked all of you, if I said, who wants to be critical? None of us would raise our hands. Instead of speaking death, we would much rather speak life with our words. So how do we do it? How do, what are the cures for criticism? The first one is one you all should know, it's prayer. And you're like, Dave, I, I, like prayer really? Like that's such a churchy answer. And it is a churchy answer, but you know why? because it works. It works. 
when tempted to speak critically, let's just take this one for example, because it's, it's easy and I think many of us can easily fall victim to this. It's really easy to be critical of those in authority. Whether it's a political leader, whether it's somebody else, it's really easy to be critical of those people. And often, oftentimes it's because we will never see that person face to face. We'll never have a conversation with that person. So it even makes it that much easier for us to be critical. But here, here's one important note that I think is, is important to say. Um, even though criticism comes from the heart, it's one thing to have the thought. It is another step to actually allow the words to come out of your mouth. When the words come out of your mouth, I, I believe it does take that belief, thought, desire to another level where it also starts to shape our hearts. But do you know how scripture encourages us to speak about those in authority? In 1 Timothy, in 1 Timothy, it tells us this. It says, it says this. It says, I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings and for all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. <sighs> Instead of speaking critically, we're encouraged to pray. Think about this. The next time you uh, want to be critical, it'll probably be most, it'll probably be today for most of us. There'll be something that happens today where we're tempted to be critical of something or someone. In that moment, what if instead of saying the words, you took one minute to pray for that person? If you're like me, I know it's the right thing to do. Uh, <laughs> But most of the time, I just don't want to do it. Even if I remember to pray for that other person or that thing, a lot of times I just don't want to do it because I know what's going to happen when I start praying for that person. Either God's going to start to soften my heart towards that other person, or he's at least going to, at least he's going to do like, make me put my hand over my mouth and, and push pause on what I was getting ready to say. Prayer cannot be understated for how important it is to help us become people that move from speaking words of death to words of life, to speaking words that are better rather than more bitter. Here's the second thing. The cure for being critical begins with prayer. The second thing is just to encourage. Romans 12, this is one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible. Romans 12, 10, it says, be devoted to one another in love. Honor each other above yourself. Be devoted to each other in love. Honor one another above yourselves. The next time you're determined to be critical, maybe not only stop and pray for that person, but maybe actually try to work really hard to find something to positive to say about that person or to say to that person through a text, through a note, um, through a, when you see them face to face, or maybe even best when you're in a group of people with that person, say something positively about that person when you're in that group that will destroy the root of criticism that so easily takes place in our hearts. The third thing, this may be the most practical thing. The third thing that, that maybe many of us need to do is we just need to create distance from other critical voices. The reason we're so critical is because we're around a lot of criticism. We're around a lot of other people who are very critical um, or 
or we listen to things that are very critical. So whether that's water cooler talk, whether that's friends or certain people who are really critical that just suck you into that, or for some of you, some of you just, you just need to turn off the news. Like the news is, it's important to know what's going on. I get it, but I'm not so sure that the goal of news in our modern world hasn't changed. I'm not so sure that the news, the goal of news today, and it doesn't matter which news source you're talking about, I'm not so sure that the goal of it isn't to infuriate you more than it is to inform you. And some of you just need to shut it off because it's affecting your heart. (laughs) It's affecting what God wants to do in you. So create distance from some of those critical voices that may be making you more critical than you realize. And uh, here's here's the fourth thing. And I wanna, I wanna spend just a little bit of time on this because earlier I mentioned that we're supposed to be imitators of God. Like we want our words to be like Jesus' words as he spoke them. It's important to know this about Jesus. Jesus' words weren't always fluffy and uh, felt kind. Like Jesus had some really hard and difficult things to say to people. And sometimes, you know what? We have hard and difficult things that we need to say to others too. We're not just supposed to be really nice and flowery all the time. That's okay sometimes, but sometimes we've got to say some hard things and we have to have hard conversations. There's a big difference though between these two things. There's a big difference between being critical of giving criticism and then just giving feedback. Let me give you just a quick idea of some differences between those two. Criticism focuses on what you don't want, on what you don't like. Feedback focuses on what you do like and what you are after, what you do want. Criticism focuses on the past of what's already happened. Feedback focuses on the future. Criticism focuses on weaknesses. Feedback focuses on building up strengths. Criticism is deflating, it's judgmental. It really attacks the person, whereas feedback is inspiring and it's just practical. Like, hey, I know this is hard to say, but in order for us to get better, this, we gotta talk about this. It's just practical. Uh, criticism um, makes someone else feel like they are the problem. Feedback talks about making the problem better and often making the problem better together. So let me ask you about, let me ask you this. Scale of one to 10, one being you hardly ever say a critical word, 10 being like almost every word out of your mouth is critical. Where, where, where are you at in that spectrum? Again, a couple of action steps I'd encourage you to take. One, ask three people this week, how do you see me being critical? Am I critical towards you? And make sure, make sure when you ask, ask that question, you're at a place emotionally and mentally where you can receive that feedback, where you won't get defensive. Here's the second thing I'd encourage you to do. Of those four cures I mentioned, prayer, encourage, creating distance from the critical voices, and then giving feedback when necessary instead of criticism. Which one of those four do you need to put in place this week? Which one of those can you put in place today? As we wrap up our time together today, I wanna, I wanna go back to Jesus. After all, he's the reason we're here. And as, as we read in Ephesians 5.1, the goal of our lives is to imitate him. Why is Jesus worth imitating? Why would we ever want our lives to become more and more like him? 
As we wrap up our time together today, we're going to celebrate communion. And there's no other practice that we have in the church that should remind us as much about why Jesus is worth us following. About why Jesus is worth us not being critical of speaking words of life instead of words of death is because that's who he was. And if it was good enough for him, that should be what we desire as well. In fact, at the moment in Jesus' life, when he was criticized the most, when he went to the cross for us, he was beaten, he was arrested, uh, he was, his hands and feet were nailed to the cross and he was mocked while he was in the physical pain. Those who put him on the cross were looking at him on the cross with a smile on their face. In that moment above any other moment, he should have been critical. He should have spoke words of death over those people that had put him there. But instead, do you know what Jesus said in that moment? Father, forgive them. What? Forgive them. Forgive them for they know not what they do. And today we're, the, we're benefiting from that. We benefit from that because of Jesus' sacrifice, because not only of what he did, of what he accomplished through his death and resurrection, but because of who he was, right? Because of who he is. Our lives are better with him than without him. And if he can speak those words in that moment, it gives us the example to be the same. Father God, we, in this moment, just remember Jesus and uh, who he is and what he's done for us. And uh, we're grateful for the life that we have because of his death on the cross and the hope that comes from that, from the life that we have for you both now and the life that we have to look forward to for all of eternity. God, because of that life, may we not settle for just just getting by in this life, God. May we be people who want to create beauty, who want to make not only our lives better, but who want to make lives of those around us better. And our words, you have given us this tool to make life around us so much better, to make our world so much better. God, may we be intentional with them. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you want to know more about us, please visit our website at newpoint.org. There you'll find past messages, parent resources, times and locations to all of our physical campuses, or you could just download our app at newpoint.org app. There you can find all those same resources just in a mobile version. We want to say thank you again for joining us and we'll see you next time.